Hey, what's going on, you filthy animals? Welcome back to another episode of the Wall Street Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Lukamuller. In this episode, Brendan and I kind of dive in and, and take questions from you guys, from the community. Typically, we do this via Instagram Live. We're going to do a better job promoting them. Typically, once a week or once every two weeks, we'll hop on and just start talking markets. And the point of these episodes is just to give you that instant color, the really this this content that is close to the market as possible, real time. Some of the episodes we talk about, we talk about topics and they might be dated, they might not be, but these are really meant to be the now, in the now. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. This community has been growing. So this episode is coming out on Monday, Monday the 11th, sorry, Monday the 12th of April. This week going forward, we have a couple of awesome guests, so stay tuned. You know, Brandon and I have been networking a lot, and we have a couple of pretty big high-profile guests coming on. You know, five, ten, even one guest. I'm not going to name who, but he's got over 500,000 Instagram followers. I won't name who, but I got into contact with him, and he wants to hop on a podcast and, and shoot the shit. So we're going to get that done. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, this community is going to continue to grow. People want to hop on. People want to talk markets with Brandon and I, and I love doing it. In addition to that guest, uh, we're also going to have some personal finance and credit card hacking guests as well. So there's going to be a couple of guests in the next couple of weeks where we're not going to just talk markets. We're going to talk cracking and hacking credit cards, getting the most bang for your buck, getting those extra points, getting those extra rewards. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I do not know a whole lot about travel and credit card hacking. I just don't. But I love talking to people on a variety of different topics. And this one seems super interesting because I could see why it's important, right? With credit card points, it's it's free if you use the credit cards wisely. Now, mind you, a lot of people end up in credit cards that they can't afford and probably not in the best financial situation to do so. But nonetheless, if you are financially responsible, stay tuned for these episodes. They're going to be fantastic. So without a further ado hope you guys enjoy this podcast peace yeah. oh man so how's your portfolio going doing uh it's been recovering i uh i was bleeding out into the market because i been very heavily invested in tech and uh you know i stuck to my guns i bought the dip now we're climbing back up so life's good uh life's very good i also took that as a sign that i should probably uh make sure that I don't have any margin out. Uh, so I made sure that I had zero margin in any of my accounts moving yeah. forward. Because uh, margin is the dark arts, man. That's some wizard stuff right there. You should, you should be careful when you're playing with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Warren Buffett said, right? There's three L's that'll make you lose all your money. <laughs> what is it, so, ladies? Liquor. Liquor, ladies, and leverage. And he said the first two don't even matter all that much. It's really just leverage. Right. So, and, uh, I, di I didn't post that on my Instagram yet, man. It's real. It's a real quote. He said it in an interview. You know what? When, when you first time. sent that to me, I thought it was bullshit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, Brandon just sent me garbage. 
and I googled it. I'm like, oh my man, he did say that. <laughs> I uh, see. That's the thing. I I realized at a young age that like I'm super addicted to to the internet. It's like I was just I was like the internet's lab rat. So like growing up, anytime there was something fun, I'd always research. I went through a whole Warren Buffett binge. I don't think he has a single piece of media that exists on YouTube that I haven't watched because I'm a savant. I, uh, I would, I watched all of his old Berkshire Hathaway shareholders addresses from like 11 and 12 years ago, because I thought if I'm going to do something that is not what this man would ever do at the very least, I need to know what he would do and what he'd recommend and why. Right. You, know, you can't be ignorant for ignorance sake. If you have a, if you have your own strategy, you should know what you're comparing it against. He's one of the greats. I'm looking at, I'm going to look at, because now I'm curious, what Warren Buffett has been doing recently. He's been just donating his money, man. He's been just no, letting no, no, no. I mean, as far as, his, I know he's been making big, he made big moves. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. he, yeah, he For sold sure. out of Apple. Yeah. yeah, that's right. In Q3 of 2020. So I know this is a little old, but I just was, it came up because you know, when you sent me those, you know, that quote, I was looking into his portfolio and I, I noticed he'd, he'd done a few things because typically he's a long-term holder. He doesn't do a whole lot, but I know, I know he got out of airlines, right? Didn't he get out of American? He got out of American um, at the start of the COVID pandemic. Yeah. And he, he yeah. sold out of Apple. I, I pulled it up here. He sold 36 mil worth, 36 million shares in Q3. Yeah, uh, when he sold out of American Airlines, that's when I bought American Airlines. That's what got me started in investing. In, in retrospect, I got started investing in a way that was so uh, contrary to how I would recommend for someone else. I saw the airline and cruise line industry take a hit during COVID, like the first wave of COVID, and thought, right. yeah, this will bounce back soon. Not, yeah, I wasn't even in a rush for it. But so I bought the dip on American Airlines. And then uh, the George Floyd protest started. COVID dipped out of the news for a little bit. Right. And then American Airlines had a 77% run in a week, uh, which was – it was the most any stock had grown during the entire pandemic up to that point so before the Tesla you know, thing exploded. And this is where I first like started going public that I was in, like investing and wanting to start you know, my, my Facebook brand. And I would right. – to you and I was like, "Hey, dude, check out these things." And you guys were like, "This is a terrible portfolio. <laughs> like, you made great money, but it's in all these really highly volatile travel picks and airline companies. Like, pick some less volatile markets." From there, that's where I kind of like learned, uh, you know, kind of what to go into and yeah. how to actually proper portfolio. Right. Right. Let so, me yeah, pull I, up. Uh, let me pull up what else I was reading. Um, oh God. Yeah. Bank of America. Yeah. He, he had gotten into C that's, that's what I originally, when I looked at, um, in Q3 into Q3, that's when he got into bank of America for 85 million shares, Warren Buffett. And so that's, that was his financial play too. Hmm. Yeah. He, it's interesting that he, well, I mean, I guess it's not really interesting. It made sense that he'd go for Bank of America. Right. Considering he always regretted not buying, right? Like way earlier, whenever they showed weakness. He was like, 
it was like I think it was also Goldman Sachs. There was a moment where he could have purchased. He could have bailed out. Yeah, he could have. And people asked him, right? Why didn't you bail out the banks? And he just, what was what was his reasoning behind that? Do you know? He just didn't want to be in that game. He he just he he just didn't think that uh, he just didn't think it was for him at that time. You know how Warren Buffett is. He's like people. He turned down Amazon and Microsoft. You know what I mean? He's got to really think that there's something special. If something's like 80%, uh, you know, success rate for him, he's probably not going to take it. For him, he, like, he doesn't have to, yeah, apparently. Because... Well, I mean, he's he's given away a huge amalgamation of his wealth recently, his personal wealth, not Berkshire's, but, you know. Yeah, when he, he gives it all to the Melinda Gates, right? Isn't it his goal to give like 99% to the fund? <laughs> Yeah, which is pretty excessive. Uh, it's it's an interesting dichotomy between uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett because Bill Gates also keeps fifty percent of all of his funds tied into Berkshire. Like almost fifty percent of it of all of Bill Gates' stock is tied up for Hathaway Investments, and then the rest is his own projects and investment that he's managing. Go figure. Yeah. But it makes sense. Yep. Let me uh so have you ever been on the website Datarama? Let let's go on there. This will be a fun little thing. Oh, Datarama. Datarama. So it's a super investor portfolio update. It basically shows you um super investors in their portfolios. So you can see like Elon Musk, you could see Bill Gates, you could see Charlie Munger, you could see Warren Buffett. All these big powerhouses in the world, you know, went, uh, they're they're on this website. I'm looking at them right now. This is pretty cool. Normally I have to, this is a good website. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Ch- Chase said, uh, he, you know, Warren Buffett didn't, support the derivative strategies the banks were divulging yeah that might have something to do with it um i don't know though thanks for that insight yeah thanks for that insight i'm sure you don't stuck at investing uh and if you do don't worry you're just just use your uh i like that that's interesting and you know uh i always thought it was interesting that like Warren Buffett's plays were always railroad lines and things that were tied to that infrastructure. Yeah. Um, Coca-Cola. I don't know if I could do that. I, I like, I, I understand that that investing strategy has worked for him and it's phenomenal, but like, I can't imagine like, I don't know. It's like, you know, like there's that meme I saw the other King Phoenix to play the role for the Joker. He had right. to mentally put himself into into the role for, you know, playing that character by first uh, plotting out a perfectly balanced modern portfolio theory index fund, just to have his portfolio be outperformed by meme stocks in 2020. Right, like that's how right. he learned how to be insane. Um, you know, I I always found like all of those plays. Like I I had some money in uh, Coca Cola stock while. For like six or seven months, and I remember when I looked back at it, around like percent of course, and I was a little, uh, I was a little underwhelmed. Thought like 
I guess people get into it for the dividend, but even the dividend doesn't seem that good in the stock. Right. I just feel like the stock's been split so many times that like it's not really a real heavy powerhouse, you know. So like, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a lot of his portfolio was stocks like that, and then like fifty percent of it's just like Apple. He's just identifying undervalued companies. He's not a growth investor. He never claimed to be, and he just, I think, with value investors, they're not necessary. I think nowadays growth investing has really got into this kind of, you know, group think more so follow the trends. And for a lot of value investors, they like to find value in um, sectors that are often mislooked and overlooked. And so, you know, and, and I think a lot of people look at Warren Buffett as someone who is a, a, is a boomer Mm -hmm. because in that, Look, growth has outperformed value in the last decade. But if you go further, if you go further, the reason why Warren Buffett is the way he is is because that was the opposite. Value, honestly, pre-tech or even pre-08 was the powerhouse. It was, you know, so you call him a boomer if you want. Uh, You know, value definitely had a place in the portfolio. Uh, I don't even think Warren Buffett can be considered a boomer. He's or I mean, what? What's or, up? Yeah, like a meta boomer, primogenitor. Right. Yeah. 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 So someone asked, uh, "What sectors my portfolio is the heaviest in?" That is a great question. Let me pull that up right now. It's funny you say that because I was actually working on something, going over, and I'll, I'll break that out right now. Um, my portfolio is almost at this point well i don't know see i have i have several accounts my my fun account the one that i manage the most actively is almost entirely energy electric vehicle stocks right now yeah you freaking neanderthal oh i love them energy's been like the fastest and yeah energy well yeah clean well what type of energy uh i i had mostly electric and solar energy companies so ev oh, you mean electric vehicles yeah well uh-huh. i have i also have uh i also had a lot of shares in tan which is like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. energy products. so someone like said sell the news yeah mayor don't sell the news because the problem with selling the news is that's all that's all that's all biases that's all just emotional biases that's what causes short-term volatility it has nothing to do with fundamentals so if you want to play this a cat and mouse trap game where you're just trying to guess what's rumor and what's real and what's not and is cnn telling the truth or this and that well then buddy wrong game you know that's to me like i hear buy the rumor sell the news ah i don't know that's a it's a weird one for me it's a tricky game to play tricky game to play it's a tricky game because news is news man especially i mean I don't trust the news. I and, and, it's, and I don't want to sound like one of those boomers because I'm not that. But you've seen the headlines for 2020. It was either COVID, um, something to do with politics, something to do with stimulus, and that was about it. It was like those three headlines is was what was driving the markets for that whole year. You yeah. know, what one was- day it was stimulus on the you know looming, and then the next day, oh, stimulus is half what we thought it was or you know um yeah 
mayor, no, it doesn't. And, it, it doesn't work effectively and efficiently. And um, yeah, it just. You're not even totally wrong there. A lot of what I have to do is like analyze problems, and we look at like we look at how information spread and through what mediums information is most quickly spread to. And uh, you know, social media is a, is a huge. You can make bot farms and push out tons of fake news. You can find out how certain algorithms work and get inside of that algorithm to push your certain news and information forward. And um, so we, we as civilians know that anytime the government tries to do something, it generally can be done, but it's going to be the most ineffective and most expensive work project. Right. right. That's typically what history has taught us. So understanding that governments get involved inside of information cycles, news outlets, media to spread and push their own dissemination. You, you don't think private sector businesses are doing the same thing. Right. You don't, you don't think that like any single person that has a platform, news or say a comedian, whatever the case may be, everyone's got a platform. Everyone's got their platform. platform. Everyone's got their prerogative. They can push whatever they want. Yeah. And, and the problem with selling the news is you're giving up potential upside. Yeah, you said FDA gets approved or FDA approves a drug. Yeah, but who's to say that company? So then you're just selling out of that company on the first set of good news. That that sets a bad precedent going forward. And, and that's timing the market, Mayor. So I, I like to look for good long plays, uh, you know, and so sell, you know. Um, and also selling news is kind of weird too, right? Because if going back to CCIV, you wouldn't have want to, you wouldn't want to sell the news on, um, you know, a merger because typically once the merger is announced, that the, the no, once the merger is announced, the, yeah, then it drops. The, the, the yeah, the company drops. So it's like you got to be, you know, you got to be careful what you mean by buy the rumor, sell the news, because on a merger, that's probably the opposite. What if you're up a hundred percent? Okay, like let's think about uh, let's think about Warren Buffett. Do you think every time Warren Buffett's stock hits a hundred percent on a stock? Hell no. No, he's probably up several thousand percent, several stock on on he, most of his stuff. He's yeah. he just he continues to buy, right? Like yeah. something like Coca Cola or even Apple. He's probably up several hundred percent on Apple. Well, because he got in at 2016, so absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's had two stock splits since then, mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's exploded several times. Um, but, like, that's that's the thing, right? It's like if you want to really have the fullest benefit and reap the most reward, you have to know you have to have diamond hands. And I don't mean to just throw a terrible term out there. It's a real term. Hands that are used to handling diamonds don't, they move seldom, right? You don't want to, you need to be able to hold something valuable and know its true value, right? Because honestly, if you're, if you're someone like me and you, you're heavily invested in cryptocurrency, because you're just crazy. Um, Cause you're a I don't degenerate. Even, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't even, I'm a huge degenerate, but like, it's, it's like, I, I made a joke a while back, which is like, you know, back in the 1950s, my grandparents, if they wanted to, if they wanted to unload a hundred dollars worth of groceries from the store, it would take the entire family trips to and from groceries. 
to t- today as a millennial, I can bring a hundred dollars of the groceries in from the, my car in one trip, right. maybe even one hand if I'm really, and it's not because I'm strong. It's because our currency is really comparative to what it's purchasing power was way back in the day. So it's like, if you know that it's going to be worth more money in the future, and you also know that the currency is probably going to be worth less in the future, doesn't it just make more sense to hold and count for the longest term? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's typically how I view it, unless, it, of course, it gets detached from fundamentals, right? Yeah. That's, that's a difference. Yeah. So someone asked my portfolio breakdown. I think uh, I, hit a, I hit a new all-time account high, apparently, today. Beautiful, beautiful. Two two seventy nine, um, and to give you guys a perspective on that, I know I did, a, you know, a podcast a few weeks ago. It's still sixty something. It's like fifty eight, fifty nine percent ETF, forty one percent stock. Um, but what I'll say to that recently, what I did was I I felt like I had, a, like we were talking about, I felt like I was over-diversified on a couple of stocks, um, individual picks that I wasn't super, super hot on because I hadn't performed how I wanted. And I have super big conviction on Etsy right now. Um, really big. So I went uh, even bigger on Etsy. Uh, actually, today, I bought a, yeah. another $15,000 worth of Etsy. Etsy is a phenomenal company. What if you sold... And use those gains to buy more shares. Yeah, no, I mean, stop losses are great. I mean, I use stop losses all the time, especially for really hyper volatile stocks. But you also have to be careful. Why would I, I sell and use the gains to buy more shares? No, he means like, what if you, I mean, here's the thing, Mayor. I guess it's like, for me, I would never buy a stock that I thought was going to significantly be worth less for more I purchase. Right? I don't go into stocks like, Okay, I'll buy on every, I'll sell on every high and then buy on every, right? If you're up 100% and it shot up 100% in a day, chances are, yeah, the stock might go down the next day, but it might go up too. There's no so way. So, Mayor, I think what you're, look, actually, I wouldn't even, so if you're up 100%, yeah, you might want to sell out of some of your cost basis. And from a portfolio perspective, especially when it comes to institutions, what they'll do is they'll sell out of some of the cost basis to keep their allocation. So if you're yeah. really trying to manage risk um, and you have those tight constraints, then yeah, you probably would want to sell out of some of the cost basis just to keep your portfolio balanced from a risk perspective. So typically, you know, you have bands in your portfolio. For me, you know, let's say Etsy was 10% of my portfolio six months ago, but now it's 15%, but I really only feel comfortable stretching it to like 12 or 13 then yeah maybe i would sell out of some of my gains just to bring it back down to reality i wouldn't fully in i know warren buffett does that all the time because he he manages a fund that's exactly what they do so yeah you yeah. do have to ground it in reality if it does run 100 percent, yeah there's certainly constraints that you probably should keep on yourself and i i've kind for me though um i've widened out my band for Etsy and I am going balls to the wall and I'm trying to build a six figure position on Etsy. Right. And I think it's because fundamentally, if you really, uh, if I asked you, I said, Josh, Hey, if you, if you had to be the CEO of Etsy, would you mind running that company? You'd probably be okay with it. 
like you probably wouldn't want to run a company, but like out of all the companies you could run, it's a company that you could be like, okay, I understand this company. I can sell, yeah. I, you know, I, I know how it works. Like it's a market you understand. Cause I use certain, it. I use it all the time. Exactly. And you invest in what you consume in. And if, uh, there's so many people out there that have advantages like that, that they know what they consume and they know what products they love, but they, they have not worked out that they can own shares in those companies yet. And right. it's a phenomenal way to get started, right? Like, what do I buy? Where does my money go? Where does my time go? Right? If right. you're like, well, I don't spend any of my money. Okay. Well, you spend your time doing something, right? And right. What, what occupies your time? What other questions do you guys have? Your biggest issue is greed. Same. But greed can be good. Greed keeps you hungry. It also keeps you humble. So make sure you learn. It's knowing when to get out. That's true. So you, you know, have if, to if, set you have to set your goals prior. You have yeah. to have you have to have bands and you have to have risk parameters in place. And you have to stay true to that, period. End of story. You can't change them during the middle of your position when you've already been holding it. You have to go in. Um, it's systematic. You have to have a systematic approach. Um, that way you don't have emotions bleeding in your portfolio and causing you to make bad decisions. Because I, I know you personally and I know what he's talking about. And that's, you know, that's what my recommendation would be. Whatever those constraints are, I know it's super general. But that is the truth. Whatever you feel comfortable with, you have to decide that before you get into the position. That way you're seeing as clearly as possible. That way you're not biased from, you know, all these gains if you've, you're making these rules up as you go along. You know what I mean? Like if you muddy the water. And I would encourage you not to just look at the company you're investing in off of like a monetary value too. Like it's, it's somewhat easy to look at a company and go like, Hey, I'm pretty certain that this company is going to keep figuring out how to make more and more money and nothing's going to slow them down or stop. Like for, for instance, if you had a bunch of money and you bought a bunch of Facebook stock or something like that, I'm sure Facebook's not going to have any sort of terrible thing come down the pipeline anytime soon. But out of, uh, out of my own, uh, likes and dislikes, I hate to invest in social media companies. I Facebook. I don't like companies that like, you know, harvest data like that from people. I don't like companies that get too mucked down inside of politics that are constantly on the news. Like, you know, morally, I don't like those companies. So I don't put my money in them, right? Like, um, if you have a company that's doing good things out there for the world and it's finding good ways to be in the news and they're helping people, you know, in their local cities and stuff and they're turning a profit. You'll find out you care a whole lot less when it's like certain stock. Right. He options suck. <clears throat> yeah, I I agree the way they're used right now. So I was reading an article a couple of days ago, basically saying that a lot of this volatility. Look, typically the volatility in, in markets is caused by the underlying, right? And that would right. be the underlying of the stock market are stocks. Well. Lately, what it's been is not the underlying, but the options, yep. right? Because so many guys are guys and gals are getting into options trading. I go on Instagram, I go on Snapchat, I go on YouTube and all these gurus, these option traders, and it's so obnoxious. Yeah. 
because you can leverage your account to such an attractive level that it's a no brainer for somebody who, who has half a brain to begin with, to be honest with you, to be like, oh yeah, you know, makes sense. You make double or triple your money. Why wouldn't you invest in options? And it's like, well, okay. Because it's, you know, options are great for a risk management tool. Right. They're awesome. If you can get spreads, if you can sell calls or you can, it's, it's a way to diversify your income. It's a way to diversify your portfolio. It's great. In, in in theory and in, in institutions, it's great. Um, I have yet to see people in our realm or our sphere of influence really use options effectively. You, so. you know what it is? You know how like I constantly, I call like meme stocks, just like- You don't trade stuff. options, right? No, okay, I, I can barely handle the temptation. Why don't you trade options? Because you're, you are risk loving, risk seeking to the max and it scares me okay. sometimes but to yeah. hear you say no to options i think someone needs to hear that because well, because i'm also in the military and i've round explosive devices like my tolerance for risk is a little bit higher than people so i you know i can use that to my advantage and if i can find something well it's risky but it's risky enough normal people before it think there's something to win here it gives me a little bit of an advantage but like if uh if if mean stocks are like the crack of the stock world, right? And it's like people will look for meme stocks that are like, ha ha ha, and everyone's just trying to smoke. Options are the vehicle. Right? No, 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 no. Options are what options are the drug of choice when you can't find meme stocks. They're like it's the methamphetamines. Oh, or um, like the crocodile heroin. Oh yeah, oh, it's yeah, like, like I don't have cocaine shit. to make into crack, so what I gotta do is go make meth. I need lighter fluid. I need, cause at least with meme stocks, if everything fucks up, you can like, you can go to the next person down the street, try and get them to pump it. And maybe one day you can sell it out. There'll be another attempt at meme stock to electric boogaloo and right. jump out of a terrible position, right? If you were in GameStop on the first runabout and you fucked up and thought you lost all of your money and then suddenly GameStop round two comes by and you have a second choice at redemption to get out of there, beautiful. You know what you can't do that with? Options. If you go in on an option and you lose, you lose. Game you over lose power. and you have nothing. There's no underlying, there's no intrinsic value, right? Yeah. For an out of the money option, it expires worthless. You lose everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wear shades. My portfolio projections are so bright. This is my future. You know That's who that right. is, right? Oh, it's, it's, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shuey, what questions you got, man? You, 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 uh, come on, man. What you got? This is awesome. I, I love the glasses, man. Is this your alter ego? No, I, uh, this, this has always been my ego. It's just, I, I live in the military, so I can't like ever. So it's making me happy. I've got lots of nice glasses. Yeah, guys, if you have any questions about investing or want to talk markets, shoot it our way. Yeah, you know, the whole option thing, man, it's really a scary one to me. It's really a scary one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if there's some people that really do it, and, you know, more power to them. But typically, whenever I see people, what it really is, is that right. I have a company that I love so much, but I've ran out of money to bet on this company, and I need more. And typically, whenever you go, I don't have enough, and I need and I'm willing to do extra risk to get 
that's typically where it's like I, I, I sense a level of desperation in people. Right, it's desperation, right? It's like they're not okay with the normal returns you get in the market. They're mm-hmm. like, I need more for this reason. That's why yeah. investing to change your financial situation just immediately like that is such a bad idea because it, it instills this level of desperation that yeah. causes you to chase. Investing is the vehicle that will get you financial situation. Yeah. And but like, you so, shouldn't, but that shouldn't yeah. be the reason just initially to just change your, your life over, overnight. Yeah. So, it's cause my be thing process. was when I first started investing heavily in Tesla, I was a crackhead, right? Like I kept investing in Tesla because I knew that at the end of the game, if I was wrong about Tesla this year, well, maybe they'd eventually get there the year after the year after. And I'm not trying to time their success. I just know one day especially since they turned a profit, going to be successful, wait it out. And, you know, I, I think this company is going to go places other companies don't. Yeah, the that's whole penny not, stock pump and dumps. That's what yeah, that, that's, that's not related on how many times it's posted on Reddit. I'm not relying on 3,200 other snorting, Adderall snorting yeah. Redditors to make decisions for me. Like when I'm looking at my, at my companies, it's like I understand this company great, smart, talented people. And I'm okay with that. And you should find companies like that and stick to them. And you'll find yourselves way less upset. Know why you own the stock, what the company does. And you should be able to explain how that company makes money to an eight-year-old. You can't do that. Right. And look, I have, so my thoughts on penny stocks, look, I have no doubt people have a system, um, Mm -hmm. but you have to have a system that has uh, no influence from emotion and and that alone um excludes probably 90 something percent of of, i'm not even gonna call them investors let's just call them whatever you want people um and just from there it's it's one of those things where you're just in a different world it's not fundamental investing and really to be honest with you far less people are successful at day trading than they are just at just long-term investing and I think the numbers would stagger the people that say they're successful day traders versus those that are actually successful at day trading. I think people fudge their numbers a lot. I don't think they keep track of their winners and losers. Um, in fact, I know they don't. And also it's one of those things where try and find me an ultra rich penny stock day trader, find one, find one. I, I, they don't really exist. They they only exist in this in this idea that they've sold their courses to those that are gullible enough to buy them. And I, I just that's my perspective on day trading. I think if you get into it, I don't think that's a way to build wealth over the long run. And I, I don't think you can apply a lot of what you learn as a technical day trader into real life investing, whether that's in the stock market, real estate investing, um, alternative investments like um, venture capital, private equity, uh, you probably wouldn't be able to take much from technical analysis or day trading and apply that. So the skills, in my opinion, aren't super valuable outside of day trading. With investing long-term, you build so many good skills that you can apply to every asset class, any endeavor you want to. Um, You learn how to find value and you learn how to look at the numbers. Learning how to look at a chart and drawing little trend lines is not going to help you in real estate investing. It's just not. 
it's not going to help you in venture capital. I promise you. I've been in the space. It doesn't. Um, so it's like, where are you going to get the most tools to add to your toolbox? Fundamental investing, value investing, growth investing, things of that nature. They're tangible skills that you can apply to every facet of your life. Day trading just does not. I, I don't know. That was a it, rant. It, uh, Shuey, you're breaking my heart. You don't have the stones for it. That's, you don't have to be smart. No, it's not the stones. Business. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm um, glad you don't have the stones for it because that, you have That's the wrong going attitude. There. If, yeah. if you go into the market, like, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to kick that thing's ass and get rich. No, sir. Uh, yeah. Chew you up and spit you out. Like, your morale is going to drop faster than a bomb dress in a cheap hotel. You need, like, you need, like, a plan that's simple enough where it's like I kick money into it and then it, I trade at Weenie Head Junior. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's, the, the whole <laughs> has good fundamentals, you know. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, investing, like, I love investing, but I don't want it to absorb my entire life. I know day traders. That is their life. And for me, I want another source of income, right? I have so many other things going on, and I know you do too, Brandon. I, and when you get older, you're not going to want to just spend all your time on one particular source of income. You know, you want your money. The whole point of money is to buy your time back, to free up time, to do more things. And I think day trading, again, it, it, it messes with your psyche in a gnarly way. Um, and it, it's costing you valuable time. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a really tingy stuff. If you've ever had a job, cheats all day. That's how your mind feels at the end of day trading. It's just, it's just so much numbers, and it's just it's not fun. You know, when I when I trade, because I trade a lot more volatile positions. There's cute little ways around it. You set notifications on your iWatch to buzz you and stuff like. That. Honestly, I I don't like being to my. Yeah. Plug yeah. Media nose down in the screen all day. It's like I put in a lot of work to make my environment around a happy place. I had a friend who quit being a PT so he could day trade. That is a terrible mistake. That's you should never quit your your job to day trade. What you should do is find a job that you can day trade at your job. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to put in all that effort. Um, but uh. My my girlfriend is one of the least risk top. She's a nurse, so she's terrified. She can see the deadly. If if um, day trading works, why don't rich people do it? Like actually, rich people. Like yeah. why don't rich people day trade? Right. Like I. That's what I don't. Can, what do you think about that, Brand? Why don't rich people day trade? Because they don't. Because because there's there's four types of money makers on. There's your employed and your self-employed people. Yeah. Then you have your investors and your business owners. So if you're on the first group of people that I just mentioned, you think that your money is worth that you think your time is worth money, um, and so the real currency that you live your life by is money. You chase a paycheck. You look for securities, blankets. You look for how many days off you can get. For right. health insurance looks like that type of good stuff. Then you have your investors and your business owner. People, they realize the true currency is time, and you can never use money to free up time that you have so your time's limited so the name of the game is how can you keep all of your time for yourself so you don't have to wear a suit and tie keep going up to a corporate headquarters and constantly being told 
to where you want to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, it liberates you ultimately. Right. Pass, passive income makes you earn money when you're not working. It yeah. teaches you that money is a tool that a is tool. meant to work for you. Yeah, Money is your goal that you should be chasing money. And that's what day trading is. You're chasing money. That's and that's why right. that's what that's what options trading is for a lot of beautiful. people too. That's a beautiful way to put it. So and that's and how that's I view it. investing. I don't want to work. Exactly. Real. I mean, I like working hard. Um, I do. But I like working in a way where it doesn't require complete attention. My whole entire mind and my whole entire you know livelihood into one thing, and that's what right. day trading is. And what's lovely about just being good at fundamental investing on stocks is when you talk to other successful people, anyone can say, yeah, I bought 60 and, and you can hear that story all day. But like, what's really more impressive for me is if I find an investor that's been with the company for several years and they're like, yeah, no, I helped carry this company through its hardest times. And now it's here and it's really successful. And like the position's really big. And it's right. like, to me, that means more. And I know more about what that person believes in and values. Yeah. And when you have those conversations with them about where your investments lie, and, um, they're going to look at you and instead of seeing an opportunist who's chasing money, yeah. they see someone that understands. The American dream. Right? That's kind of what the stock market is, right? You're investing in that American dream. But when you're day trading or options trading, you're kind of disconnected from it. And it's just numbers on a screen. Um mm -hmm. And you're not really believing in the, the idea or the product. Um, and that's how I like yeah. to invest. And I know that's how you. Of course. I can't believe a strip club in Texas is worth 55. Motley Fool. Okay. Um, Motley Fool. That's like a newsletter, right, Chewy? Yeah. They, yeah. Don't they push out? Yeah. So, so be careful about that. So that's the other thing, Chewy, is people want to be lazy and they'll they'll subscribe to Motley Fool and, and, and they'll just get stock picks and they'll pick them. Um, I've, I was actually reading. They're not, they don't actually have that great of a track record. I'm fairly no. sure. Because well, all, all of it's centered around market timing. And so you're yeah. leaving that up to the individual investor and they freaking suck at it. What so, they <laughs> tend to do is they cast a really wide. Yeah, they do. And they say, here's our top 25 choices for this week. And then next week, here's our top 25 choices for this week. And then yeah. it's like, if 85 of them fail, 85% of them fail, and 15% of them are huge, their next article is going to be like, we yeah. picked these. We picked these. Years. Oh, yeah. Good well, job, man. You casted a net of 1,000. Good job, buddy. It's basically um, like they bought an index fund and said, these were our biggest winners. You should buy them now. So, like, Shuey, I'll tell you where I get a lot of my information. Um, so, for me, I like to go seeking alpha. So, you know, I'm a CFA charter holder. And so there's a lot of CFAs, you know, CFA charter holders on Seeking Alpha. Um, it's kind of a private uh, investment blog, so to speak. It's 30 bucks a month. So it's kind of pricey. Um, but I use Seeking Alpha and I use Wall Street Journal as my two main sources of, of goodness. And I get, you know, direct news from all my portfolio holdings. It's tied directly to TD Ameritrade for me. So I get notifications i like that i'm gonna be honest with you Shuri. until you're making any money off of the stock market there's no way in fuck anyone's gonna convince you to drop 30 dollars on an online article stock advice hey 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 i can barely muster up the one dollar a month <clears throat> that i pay the wall street journal <clears throat> 
for my that stuff. I got you on, right? Didn't I convince you? I do love the Wall Street Journal, and it's great news. And I gladly pay a dollar every month because I make more than that just off yeah. investment. So now that we're on that topic, if there, if you guys are out there, make sure you go to Wall Street Journal. They have offers. I think it's like twelve months. You get it for a dollar a month, and then past that, because I've been on Wall Street Journal for a while, dude. It's like thirty, forty bucks a month. However, yeah. what I got on is there. They have like some COVID discount thing. I think. Yeah. Like, and it's really cheap for the next year. For me, it's like four bucks a month. So Wall Street Journal has some good specials. And I think that is the the gold standard for news when it comes to investing. I think you have to have Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and that, that's what he's saying. I refuse to go through paywall. The, see, there's the beauty of it. Most people don't go through paywalls. And you already know Michael Bloomberg is a terrible, terrible. So you really shouldn't just you shouldn't go to his news article, right? Because it's probably it's probably incredibly uh, filtered with everyone, whatever he wants to put out. Forbes used to be fantastic, but Forbes is literally owned by a Chinese company now, so you can't even trust like. Yeah, Forbes is just propaganda, and it's it's just yeah. it's BS articles. So, so, if, so if, if you don't pay for news, this is a beautiful you way to have think about to pay. It. If you don't pay for news. Other people are paying for you to see that news. Yes, that's beautiful. And, well put. and why? Who knows? Right? So, like, you need to have a source where you can go and get your information. And it needs to be some someone, something, somewhat. Ran right? for so, president, mayor. That doesn't mean anything. Bloom. He ran for president. That doesn't make him a good person. So, so did Vernon Supreme. And, <laughs> oh, like, Vernon. Yeah, come on, mayor. I thought I, I thought I thought you uh, you knew better than that, man. Yeah. Look, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy the old-fashioned way where everyone kind of sits around and goes, your vote's worth my vote, and together, let's let's figure this out. I don't enjoy it when one dude is like, yep, but I'm also going to donate $300 million to make sure that the guy who's going to protect my assets wins. That's a little too much for me. I prefer less money in politics. You know. Yeah, but he would have made less. Maybe. I don't know. Like... I just uh, oh, if he were president, you don't. Your uh, as you get older, net worth is your net worth. It has less to do with how much money you have, right? Some of the people. Did you say your network is your network? I just posted something about that today. Wow, that's why we're on the same page. We have similar, you know, similar thoughts. Isn't that an old Texas A&M thing? Didn't they didn't they beat that into us in the core? They're like, your network is your net worth. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they they taught us all sorts of fun little things that only now am I really starting to enjoy the lessons. I don't want to get too into like the weeds of politics. Yeah, I don't care about politics. So the the only thing that you should pay about politics politics when it comes to investing, yeah. and shoot, this is this is more for you. When the government comes to bail out. Okay, when big when big daddy government comes in because the world's a mess, they let the kids run around and they started coughing in each other's mouths, burning stuff. It's, it's Americans got unruly. Okay, like right. it's just what it is. In a Malaysian country, the system would have crushed us by this point, but it's America, so we're all. Um, when it's time for the money to start flying, and the government's starting to bail out people, the first people that get get bailed out are your like your bankers and your business owners. Right, if they made terrible decisions, the government's going to save them first. And then after it saves the the bankers and the business people, then they're going to save all the stockholders. And then after they save all the stockholder 
holders, then it's going to be, okay, now we're going to save all the homeowners. Then after the homeowners, now you're, you're day-to-day working Americans. Blue collar. The blue collar form. So your and blue collar that, always gets crushed. And so that's why you get the middle class. Oh, is the middle class has been getting squeezed. Squeezed. Constantly. Like yeah, they either go, they either go up like into the lower class or down into the lower class. And in the lower class, that's when they're like, okay, I guess we'll extend Maybe we'll give out another stimulus check for six hundred. And I and I get the the hatred, you know, the eat the rich. I get it. I just think it's misplaced. And uh, you know, I yeah, I don't know. We won't get I into think, that topic. Oh, I'd love to. Um, uh, ignorance ignorance of the system honestly makes people hurt because it, it's it's a lot of when you have too many people that say I don't have the stones to participate in the market, and I'm not saying that you're this type of person. You're and no one wants to participate. What they don't understand is they are participating, but mm. only as a consumer, right? If uh, if we if, if there's a one apple tree in the middle of the orchard, and all of us are buying equal shares and rights to who gets to who gets profit off of selling apples from the tree, and you're the only guy in the neighborhood who's buy to buy apples here, and you're not making any money off of it, we're all getting rich off this apple tree, right? Right? If you invest in what you consume, man. And stay into it. It'll uh, it'll pay out a lot more in the long run. It'll keep your wealth kind of tied with you a lot a lot better than you. I went from like working a dead end job, I would say like near poverty, to like you know now I'm doing quite well for myself. And it's uh it just a little bit of financial savviness. Yeah. Fair Did enough. you know the Federal Reserve is a private company? Yeah. Yeah, but like he says, uh, keep big money on politics. Yeah, that blew my mind, and I didn't realize that banks own shares of the Federal Reserve. Just like, I don't know, it's pretty neat burrito, some tasty stuff. Oh, so look at this. Yeah, so re- dude, what do you think about small caps? Small cap value outperforming the factor field. What do you think about that? I think that if there was ever a Up time, twenty four and a half percent this year. Yeah, I think if there's ever a time that small cap is going to come back into the limelight, this was the perfect stage and condition set for small caps because they've been kind of uh, they've been kind of underperformed. Hundred percent, right? so they've underperformed for the last decade. It's been a large, large cap world. Right. So I guess the question is, how long do you predict the small cap run to continue to go? Not long. Oh, I don't think. Just because think- there's been so much consolidation, that's just. That's kind of how things have gone. You know, when you're talking about like your big tech, it just kind of made sense that large cap kind of just absorbed. It's been absorbing the market, the addressable market for so long that I think the small cap is kind of a, a, a plea for help. One last little, I mean, the, the conditions are set for small cap to be okay, right? Because rates are really low and the economic conditions look favorable. Um, unemployment, the labor is, is looking great. GDP is expected to be over 6% in the U.S. We're actually even supposed to outpace China. Um, so that's a total, total bull case for small cap. I just don't, I don't know. You know, it's a statistic that I love sharing because it helps me kind of, it helps me realize what generation I'm kind of talking about. <clears throat> and I'd love to see some answers in the chat. If you had 
if you had to guess what sort of ratio of goods is purchased on the internet versus goods purchased in person at a store, right? Would you say like 50% online, 50% in a store? Would you say 80% in a store, 20% online? Like, where do you think it, what do you think is in America, we'll say? How much commerce is online? How much is in person? Online. Oh. I don't know. Do you know this, this, the statistics? Oh, shit. I, I should know this, right? Because I'm, um, is it not as much as we think it is online? Leo says it's 90% online. No, I would think it's more like 65. You think it's 65% online? Yeah. What is it? You, it is 20% online. It, oh, that, oh my God. Okay. That's, yeah. that's, and you know what? That's great. It's great news for you. That's great news. I was wrong. Yes. I was way so, off. I should have a lot. That. A lot of people think the majority of purchases happen online because we are a younger audience who grew up on the internet. But you can, you can Google me now. Most purchases are still handled. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't disagree yeah. at all. I could see how that works, right? We got the gas stations. We got, you know, shopping, you know, shopping online, you know, I, that's becoming more online based, but that's still in large part up until COVID. You weren't really grocery shopping. Uh, You you weren't getting it delivered as much. You were still going in person for the most part. But you see, but that's the thing, right? Is like we're going well because there's a lot of money being into a fresh economy. But I would argue that over time, as more and more people accustomed to purchasing online, Etsy exploded so tremendously for you because more people went online. But prior to COVID, only 14% of Americans shopped online. That was a jump of 6% when you experienced on it. All this growth that you've been feeling, it's only been a change of 6%. Yeah, and so that's why I'm so bullish, right? Like it's yeah, Because absolutely. there's such an addressable market for Etsy's perspective too. It's like, oh, it's just beautiful. Which is why it's like, for me, it's like, as long as you're always on the side of innovation, right? Like for me, it's like, oh, well, this seemed like a no brainer. Like well, I was blown away. I thought it was at least 50% of purchases. Yeah, so I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you in Etsy? Yeah, I, I picked up a small position because you urged me to do so. So yeah, I've I've uh, I've got several accounts that I manage. Um, I have a whole account that's just literally recommendations from other people. I'm like, I try not to sell them even if they're not doing great, because in my mind, they were recommended to me for a purpose, and until that purpose is realized, I don't want to. I almost feel like I'm scorning my friend's investment idea or strategy. And there's nothing worse than when someone was like off by a couple months, but their their you know thesis that they had for the takeoff or expectation was phenomenal. Yeah, that's like, why timing is hard, right? Timing is so difficult. But it is it is there is more of a a um a track record of of finding profitable companies and finding good investments over the long run. That there is a system, there is a method to the madness. It's just timing that's really difficult. Yeah. And it's like overcoming your own bias, right? Like everyone thinks their own idea, right? Like if I have my own stock, it's doing well. I don't want to hear what your stock's doing. I'm already here. I'm entrenched, fighting my way. Uh, but that's how most people think about portfolio. It's kind of like uh, every single person can only see in one is a good way to put at it. But if you have 12 people in a room looking at one object together, you can overlay all the colors and really 
cool idea. That right. I think is the best thing that we've really got on our on our community growing. Right. So many wonderful moments where I could be, hey, so and so, what do you think about this stock? When I have three or four people set their their young lives, making uh, nothing but aerospace science, jump talk hot stuff about stock, I would know nothing. About it. Right. You know, it's it's amazing when you get a team of people together air these things out. Yeah. Sort of conclusions you can. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. How about we wrap this one up, man? I think so. This was a blast. I had yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I like this one. Just just shooting the shit. You know <laughs> what? Uh, what what big things do do you want to tell our our you know our audience out there? Um. Well, first and foremost, what if do we have in the works right now? If you're not investing, I would I would try to jump on it and. We are actually starting our first uh, first written. Yeah. So we're uh, we're brainstorming and we're trying to come up with a book that can help explain how to start investing specifically in index funds for new investors. We're going to go over all the powerful, good, strong things that can come from the market. We're also going to go over all the very destructive, nasty, and volatile forces that exist there. We're going to try and show people how you can walk that path using modern portfolio theory, how you can set up a safe and secure portfolio that's, that's put in. Um, I think ultimately our goal is we want to try and steer people down first a path that we know for sure works, a path that anyone can follow from opening the book and following it just like a And you will, you will do just all right. You will do fine. Um, exactly. You'll probably do more than fine. And that, that is a great first step. And that's what this piece is going to be about is we want to include as many people as we can with this. So, so many, you know, as many people as they can um, repeat this. It's a repeatable process for the masses. And, and so a lot of people look at success in this like binary binary chart. And, right. you know, we, we have to take into account progress because mm. you can win a lot. You can win a little, you can be in the middle, lose a little, lose a lot. And ultimately, if you want to be someone, that's fantastic. And we want eventually, but right now we want to make sure that you're at that point where you're making enough money passively and consistently where you're just not even worried. Right. Now let's get, get momentum building on your case for forward progress first before you take risks that could set you back in the negative and be counterintuitive and counter what you want. Yep. Uh, I think humans in general are prone to taking risk and they are risk averse. Yep. So you have to understand that risk aversion is discipline. Right. It's not mustering up the just take a risk. That's hard. Anyone can throw money in a fire. Right. It's it's more about learning how to stay principled Estimate. Remember that what you're playing with is nothing less than your future. Yeah. Yeah. Your tool, the tool to help bring your future back to you. And there's an opportunity cost for making bad decisions early on. And they're not even fun. If you're going to make bad fun. decisions, make them fun. There's no fun. To no, none. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, I'd rather lose money in Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. Or like uh, on a party boat. Yeah. You get a yeah. couple of hot girls, you know. Get a couple of yeah. good drinks. Do it damn Blazarian style. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, it's way better than uh, way better than options plays. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, with that one, guys, without further ado, we'll end this one. But uh, hope you guys have a good one. Peace. It was a pleasure. Take care, brother. Take care, brother. As always, thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to next week's podcast. Stay hungry, guys.